0: We are reminded yesterday and today of all the violence all around us. Not much has changed in the culture. It is just so much more in your face when you have the invasion of Israel by Hamas militants and the random kidnapping and shooting of civilians. I don't know if you've seen any of the photos, but it's quite shocking. I mean, just, you know, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa and the kids laying in pools of blood on the floor. Um, Of course, we've become rather immune to the evidence of violence in our own culture and country all around us. In Israel, as of today, it seems that there are 500 deaths, maybe most of them civilians, and 2,000 wounded. And I'm not minimizing that violence. It's horrific to see any pictures of this and to hear the stories. You've got many trapped Americans, including an old friend of my wife's and myself. Um, In America, however, in the most recent data that I could find, there were over 26,000 homicides in one year, and technically we're not at war. Of course, many of us are in this moment in the history of America Feeling the weight of the culture war. Even as if Rod Dreher states, We Christians have already lost that war, and he makes a fairly convincing argument. Everything has changed, radically changed. We can't rely on any solid ground, culturally speaking. Not only don't we have the moms and dads of the neighborhood helping and cooperating in appropriate ways with the raising up of your children, which when I was a kid happened. Down the street I would say something I shouldn't say, and before I knew it, this guy had already called my dad, and dad had whistled for me home and give me a whooping. So not only do we not have moms and dads of the neighborhood helping and cooperating in raising your children, we don't even have moms and dads. It could be any combination of genders, parenting, and it could be in some cases now multiple dads or moms. or And very often the genders are changing as life is moving forward. What a world. <clears throat> this morning... If, I, if you will allow me, I'd like to read an alternate appointed lesson uh, that I forgot to tell Mr. Bergstrom to read. <laughs> my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, And search for her as the hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And will find knowledge in God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints then you will understand righteousness and justice equity and every good path <coughs> this alternate first lesson is not note it is not a promise that the world will the world you live in will be wise Excuse me, or that the government will be prudent and seek the knowledge of God. It is, however, a promise for us persons and families and communities that God will give us wisdom and understanding to face the world that we live in if we pursue God's knowledge and wisdom. Now, mind you, the new and amazing artificial intelligence that is currently on the road and driving around, not quite literally, but that's soon, I'm sure, and let's be honest, is only going to get better and more sophisticated in what it does and can do. It's not going to give us wisdom and understanding. In fact, all it's going to do is accelerate the laziness of heart and mind in our culture because we can just have our iPhone or our computer or whatever do it for us. So for your listening pleasure this morning, here is ChatGPT's GPT's version of a sermon for today. Just the intro paragraph. Good morning, dear friends and beloved members of our community. Today we gather in the spirit of love, understanding, and compassion. In the sacred space of our church, let us reflect on the timeless wisdom that calls us to be compassionate beings, extending our love and care to everyone around us. Yeah, that was my response. Nothing wrong with the general idea of being compassionate, especially given our gospel reading for today, but there is no wisdom there. There is no beauty. The opening paragraph warns everyone that this is going to be a saccharine and useless sermon. Perhaps ChatGPT's major amount of information on church sermons has been the 20th century. And by the way, it's interesting that compassion showed up because I asked ChatGPT to uh, write a sermon using the traditional lectionary, and he, she couldn't understand what I was asking. So that made me happy. (laughs) So, ChatGPT, artificial intelligence is not going to give us wisdom, understanding, and beauty. But, we need the wisdom of God, and we need it today. I, look around. We need it now. We can't wait to, we can't wait to seek it until tomorrow. We can't put it off. We can't afford to raise our children without it, not in this culture. We can't afford to get married without God's wisdom. We can't afford to find work, get jobs, work jobs without god's wisdom and everything is just so up in the air right now culturally speaking at least young people compared to when i was your age and you have no concept of this i know but trust me you've heard all these old people saying this it's true this is radically different just in the last 10 20 30 years in our gospel lesson, Jesus answered the lawyer, essentially who was an expert in the Mosaic law, who, the lawyer who asked Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? He answered with his famous answer, which you hear every time we do Mass. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So you see, this morning, we've been given direction for our lives, especially in this crazy moment of history. Pursue the wisdom of God and live like a Christian. Essentially, put everyone else but yourself before yourself. In Jesus' answer to the lawyer, he uses the Greek word agape, or in this text, the verb form, which is agapao, I believe. They'll correct me later. This word is used over and over and over again in the New Testament when talking about particularly Christian love. It is more a matter of the will than it is of the emotion. I've been talking to young couples recently that are uh, looking towards marriage, and I have have to constantly just say because of our world, hey. Yeah, you know, if you can't stand being around someone, then definitely don't marry. But marriage is more a matter of commitment to love than it is, oh my gosh, I feel so mushy around you. We have emotional affection for people, of course. And I remind these young people that, yes, you want to have affection. And if it's hard for you to have affection for this person, maybe there's someone else out there. Or maybe you just need to get your heart in line. Um, This is not what Jesus has in mind when he says, love your neighbor. He doesn't say, have affection for your neighbor. For this is the love of God, says St. John, that we keep his commandments. Love is an action. It's the keeping of the commandment. We talk of loving pizza. Yes, I'm going down this road again. Or of loving things which often in our culture reflect a great desire on our part for these things. There is emotion there, yes. But also there is a focus on me. I love pizza means I want to eat some really good pizza. We often, of course, treat people this way as well sure stop and think i love her or him means so often in our culture that i want him or her i desire him or her you may easily see the sexual connotations of such a statement in our culture but there are also ways in which we might want to use or control him or her and so often what we call love actually is this sort of desire Again, it is all about the self in these situations. We want these people, these things for ourself and for our use and control. Well, that's about as far away as you can get from the agape that Jesus is talking about. Jesus, by the way, didn't make up this answer to the question, which is the greatest commandment in the law. Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. But Jesus' incarnation, his ministry, his passion, and his teaching all serve to infuse this command with greater meaning and emphasis. Jesus marks out this command as special. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. This is a radical idea of love historically. Guess what, my friends? This is a radical idea of love today. St. Paul lists a famous list of the virtues that are the children of love, if you will. This list will also remind us of how radical Christ's call is. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. My friends, this and the pursuit of God's wisdom and understanding are the suggested weapons for our fight today. Ask yourself the question, please, how am I doing with these two weapons right now in my life? Do I seek God's wisdom daily? Do I love, do I self-sacrifice for others daily? None of us are perfect, but we've got to be moving in the right direction every day if we're going to have any chance to be a part of saving ourselves our kids and our grandkids our community our culture and our country may we talk in the wisdom, may we walk in the wisdom of god and love like jesus loved amen